Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode that's a compilation of the board games we've been playing. And this week is a Halloween special. And on this episode are The Meeple Dungeon, Omni Gamers Club, Friday Night Games, The Tabletop Bellhop, The Cardboard Kid, Dyson Dragons, Definitely a board game podcast and cardboard conjecture. And as always, please remember to check out the show notes for the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast and have a scary, scary episode. Hello, everybody. This is Rob and Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesday's podcast. And this is a special spooky podcast episode. And we are going to be talking about one of our favorite spooky games of all time. And what would that be, Anna Marie? That would be Mask of the Red Death. Designed by Adam Weiss. Art by uh, Gris Grimley. Published by IDW Games. And Mask of the Red Death plays four to seven players in about 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah, Mask of the Red Death. This is one of our favorite um, kind of scary games we've ever played. And uh, we don't get to play it that often, but always try to get it out this time of year. I'm going to read off the back of the box uh, the kind of the description of the game. It's just, it's written so well that um, I thought you'd like to hear it. So it says, mm-hmm. as nobles at a magnificent masquerade ball, you and your friends all V to improve your social standing. Gossip flies, rumors swirl, and with each chime of the ebony clock, hearts fill with dread and despair. Dread and despair. As midnight approaches, you begin to realize that something is amiss. Based on Edgar Allan Poe's sinister story, The Mask of the Red Death, pits you and up to six of your friends against each other in a hobnob with the prince. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But disaster strikes at midnight. You must balance your actions carefully between currying the prince's favor and discovering which rooms the Red Death will visit. After all, having the highest social standing only matters if you survive. Yeah, we really couldn't have made that sound any better. (laughs) I know, right? They did a good job on that. So, for anyone that doesn't really know about this game, yeah, there's a a great story from Edgar Allan Poe about um, this king and uh, the the countryside kind of falls on hard times and there's plagues going around and all this horrible stuff and he decides to lock him and all his fancy friends up in his in his pants. castle to wait out the the plague and let everyone outside the walls die as they kind of party on the inside not a very nice no and not, uh, not a nice prince the red death um decides that they need to be punished for this and they are coming for all these or he he or it is coming for <laughs> death is for coming. all these people at midnight and in the game, you are just playing a character, one of these fancy nobles wearing a mask and, like, puffy pants and whatever. <laughs> and uh, you um, you are trying to deduce what rooms 
the Red Death is going to arrive at. Yeah, he's in two rooms every, it's like every ten minutes. Ten minutes. Once the the clock strikes midnight, every ten minutes he goes to two rooms and kills everybody like inside 12, those 10, rooms. 12, 10, 12, 20, 12, yes. 30, 12, <laughs> so 40. There's, um, there's some cards laid two out rooms that are, are not hidden good. information to begin with yeah. at each one of those uh, bell chimes saying which rooms he's going to kill at in those uh those times and then there's another deck made up of all the other cards that would would otherwise uh, make up those decks so you're plus you're trying extra to, extra yes. cards in there too yeah an extra special card but you're trying to dig through that deck to get as much information as possible so that by the time that clock hits midnight so you start at eight o'clock right you start at eight so you get four rounds yeah to figure out to, to gain as much information as, much as, as possible. You yeah. And you're going to be moving your character around the ballroom, and you're going to be using cards to steal information from each other and spy on each other and spy at the, the Red Death deck so that you can yeah. actually look at, oh, he's going to attack at, at 1210. He's going to be in the, the white room. That's you, one of the two. So I know I can't be in the white room at 1210. And you don't have a pad and paper, so you're no, no, using no. your brain You for have this. to remember this stuff. <laughs> That's the whole point of this. You've got to be like, okay, like... You got to remember this, and you got to make try yourself your a best. song up or something in your head. To yeah, honestly, yeah, I do those kind of things. Twelve ten is going to be in the blue room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? honestly, that does work. Those kind of things do work because it's so dire. Once that clock hits midnight, whatever you figured out, that's all Chaos you got to reigns. go off. And then you have to set up your little board with little counters saying that from my current position at 12 o'clock, I'm going to move one spot either clockwise or counterclockwise. Yeah. And that's all you can do. It's crazy. And then, so once everyone moves to their spot, you reveal the first card for 12 o'clock, and it says the pink room, and then Red Death shows up there and murders everybody. This is where your heart starts beating <laughs> yeah. a lot faster. And then you're just praying you do, you've yeah. done this correctly, or at least you know tr- try to do this correctly. And then you flip the other card over and it says that he's moving to the blue room and he kills everybody in the blue room. And if you've survived that round, you move on to the flipping the next cards. And it's gonna you'll go to twelve ten and you're gonna see whether your characters well, you've plotted yes. it out to see if you're gonna move your character clockwise or counterclockwise, you're gonna move everybody around that's still alive. Flip the card over for twelve ten, red death comes out, kills everybody in that room, flip another card, kills everyone in that room, and you keep doing this from twelve to twelve fifty. Providing there's people alive, yeah, and whoever, if someone or two people or more actually survived this this whole scenario, it's whoever has the most, um, what was it, fancy points or whatever. Um, <laughs> it was more pro- or less prosperity or no, it was like no. your reputation. Reputation, yeah. Whoever's the highest reputation, so whoever's whoever's the fanciest at right. the ball, um, and survived wins the game. So if we both do end up surviving that, whoever's highest on that track will end up winning the game. But I have never survived this game. I think you've won. I, I have won, yeah. Yes, I think you've won. I've never survived. My I've heart was so being close. fast, though. Oh, I know. Oh, I, my I remember goodness. getting down to the to the the uh, 12.50, like to the last yeah. turn, and be like, oh, I can't remember if what way I need to go, and I've set my my token to go clockwise. Sure enough, I move into the wrong room. Yeah. Red Death shows up well, and murders me. And some of the times you just you haven't been able to get enough information. You're just guessing. No, so no. when you're setting it's, it up, right, you're you're totally guessing. You're like, oh my gosh, did I make it? But <laughs> that's, oh. yeah, they they make it really hard for you to figure this all out. You're basically they, yeah. You have to guess at a few of the, oh, of yeah. the scenarios. And they do it really well though because everybody's in the game the entire time until the end. And then those yep. last rounds go really quickly they when do. you're doing the time. So that's nice because if you get kicked out in the first round of 12-10 or whatever, you're not 
it's not very long until the game is over. No, you're no, just it's firing only a, through it. A ten or fifteen minute yeah. section to, to carry out who who wins the game. Yeah. I wanted to say like the art in this game is so it awesome. It is. It's so it, good. It reminds me of. Um, you know, in the Harry Potter, Harry Potter is like the the Deathly Hallows animation yep. they do in that. Oh, totally. It's similar to it's, that. It's so spot on to that actually. It's very, very creepy and very, yeah. very good. One of the best creepy horror games out there. We love it. Super fun. I haven't played it. I didn't play it last year. We got to play it this year for Halloween, and we got to get uh, you know at least six people here. Would be nice. That would be game. nice. Yeah. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, that's Mask of the Red Death. Great spooky game for awesome spooky game. time of year. But we got to run. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. See ya. Hello, this is Daniel from the Omnicron. Sorry, that is the Omni Gamers Club podcast. It's just me this week, but that's quite appropriate since we're talking Halloween games, and what's scarier than being alone? I actually played a couple of solo games this last weekend, the first of which is based on a very well-known horror franchise that is Alien Fate of the Nostromo, published by Ravensburger and designed by Scott Rogers. Now this game will be quite familiar if you've played Ravensburger's previous horror offering Horrified, a favourite of ours in Halloween's past. And this is similarly a pick up and deliver game, you're exploring a map, in this case uh, a layout of the ship over multiple levels. Your characters will have a certain number of action points to spend, a special ability, you'll be moving around the ship trying to fulfil objectives that are semi-randomised based on how many players you have. And then, of course, after your turn, the game will have its turn and the eponymous alien will be stalking you around the ship with a few other nasty surprises like malfunctions or even Jonesy the cat jumping out at you. Now, these events or any encounters with the Xenomorph Nasty will be slowly draining your morale, acting as a clock against which you're trying to complete those objectives. Now, playing solo, I actually had a pretty easy time of this. I managed to complete the game without losing any morale at all, just leading the alien in a merry-go-round, ran in circles while I completed my objectives. Cue Benny Hill music. Though it's hard to say if I got a rule wrong or just got incredibly lucky, though I imagine it will be quite more dynamic playing with other players, so looking forward to checking that out soon. So from there, I moved on to the Alien Queen equivalent, though quite explicitly not set in the Alien universe. That is Nemesis, the big box game published by Awaken Realms and designed by Adam Kropinski. So this is a similar premise, but on a much larger scale. The rooms have a set layout, but are all completely randomized. You're using a deck of cards instead of the action point system. And there are nearly 10 decks of cards tracking various items and events and attacks from the enemy and potential contamination that you might receive. And again, here you're dealt randomized objectives but the trick is they're unique to each player each player will have their own objectives they're trying to achieve and in a certain modes that may even be at odds with each other there is a semi-cooperative mode that you can play your objective may be that one of the other players has dirt on the company and you need to make sure they don't make it off the ship 
But of course, your biggest concern is just surviving. So as you're moving around, you're actually generating noise tokens that go onto the board and increase the likelihood that a new beastie will appear. And there are several different classes ranging from the equivalents of uh, little facehuggers that will take one shot to the alien queen herself that I haven't come across yet but am quite intimidated by. So as you can probably tell there are quite a lot of variables here from each room you reveal having its own specific abilities and items that it may spawn to the creatures that may appear to your decks of cards whether or not you are contaminated. There's actually a little uh, I don't know if you've ever played Jumanji it's like a little red cellophane screen that you have to slide the card underneath to to reveal the text and that's basically the same here you have a card in your hand but you don't know if it indicates whether you're infected until you go to the lab and scan it using this little red cellophane scanner that's quite it's quite a fun touch so the game as a whole can seem very intimidating especially to teach it but the benefit here is that it's all extremely immersive anecdotally someone told me that they taught it just by teaching the bare bones rules on sort of movement and exploration and everything else as they come along and that's basically how i teach mansions of madness so you can kind of introduce new players to the various mechanics gradually over time so as not to intimidate them. Just enjoy the roller coaster of experiences as they come up. So again I've only played this one solo as well and one pretty handily I might say but I'm really looking forward to diving in to a cooperative game and even potentially the semi-cooperative game once we're all familiar with it. Though I imagine how that plays out would vary quite a bit on your player group and how competitive you are. I'm hoping to get a game off the ground for this Halloween weekend, so stay tuned next week. So I've been Daniel from the Omni Gamers Club podcast. You can find our episodes on your podcatcher of choice and Spotify. We sometimes also live stream on my own channel at is Board Game Feast or on our YouTube channel at Omni Gamers Club. We just recorded a segment at All Shucks this last weekend with a playthrough of Architects of the West Kingdom. Okay, so thanks for listening. Remember to have a balanced gaming diet and keep it spooky. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're Friday Night Games. And you can find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, uh, TikTok at Friday Night GMS, and uh, I don't know, YouTube at something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, way to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this week is a Halloween special of What You've Been Playing Wednesdays. Ooh. So what we're going to do is we're just going to give you our favorite Halloween game to play. So, nice. So, uh, John, what is your favorite <laughs> Halloween game? Okay, so mine is a classic back from the when we were kids, the early 90s. And I'm going to have to go with Nightmare. Wow. You yeah. know what? We, we did play it on – so we do actually have a podcast about Nightmare from two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. I think, which – uh, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was. I didn't think it was a very good game. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> it out there. It's not a good game <laughs> at all. But it's just. It's one of those games where you just. You love the nostalgia factor of it, mm. right? So. So how do I play that game? 
Uh, so the game is controlled by a videotape, uh, VHS tape, and it's a race against time against uh, the gatekeeper. So there is a um, on the video screen. There's like a timer that 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 counts down from an hour to zero, and uh, every now and then a gatekeeper will pop up and he will affect whoever's turn it is. Um, when when uh, he pops up, so you, you know, comes up, he's like, "Stop, answer me!" And you have to say, "Yes, my gatekeeper," or else he like smacks you. Well, he yeah. doesn't really, but you know, <laughs> it, it, you're you're supposed to say it just to yeah. keep with the, the keep theme. with the theme. Uh, the point of the game is to collect six of your character keys uh, and race to the center of the board, where everyone at the start of the game put it puts in their whatever they're afraid of. And I think guess you're supposed to guess whose was whose. I guess. Yeah, I, I think know. so. I don't know. I, I do like at the very beginning, everyone had to write down their fear. Yeah. That was actually pretty funny because I took a picture of that uh, yeah. before we played. <laughs> someone put like sock puppets. Someone put girls. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. We were very mature when we were writing. Our, that was actually the answers. best part of the whole game to me. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. And then the the one part that that was really hard was there was some, you get like card, like fate cards or whatever during the game. And some of them are like specifically at certain times you can do this. So it was really hard when you have a bunch in your hand to like keep track of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then if you get uh, sent to the black hole, you have to roll like doubles to get out. Yeah. Or be released by the gatekeeper it, or something. It, it was a very simple game. It was yeah. just dice rolling and watching a television. Right. So, so mine is something we also played together and that's horrified. Yep. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't played horrified, there's a newer version that came out. It's basically the same thing. Uh, it's a co-op game, and you're a bunch of detectives trying to fight the universal monsters. And each monster has its own set, and you can play different difficulties with different monsters because different monsters are harder to beat. And you basically go around the board collecting items to uh, spend to defeat those monsters or whatever objectives that need to be done. Yeah. Uh, it was hard. It was fun. I loved it. I'm sure someone else on this podcast is going to talk about it because the someone had pictures of the new one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe Dice and Dragons will talk about it. But, yeah, I love that game. I think it's a great Halloween uh, game to play. Yeah, I'm excited to try that, uh, the new one. But I heard it's kind of just like a a reskin of it's the same game. Just it's the same game. Different monsters. Different monsters. So we'll see. Yeah, that, that kind of that would, that would ruin it for me. But yeah. I don't know. Don't completely believe us. Go check it out yourself. That's just what I heard. Yeah. So. If you haven't played it, get the new one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's cool. Go uh, go buy Nightmare. If you can, <laughs> if you can find it. <laughs> Maybe Horrified. I stole, one. I okay. stole it from a friend of mine. Yeah. We Also, you have to get a VHS player, so good luck with that, too. Yeah, you can look it up on YouTube. All right. So uh, thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, TikTok at Friday Night Games, and our website, FridayNight.Games. Thank you, everybody. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of this special episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. 
If you've got a game or game night question for me to answer, email me at questions at tabletopbellhop.com or visit our webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop at the top of the page. You can also find me all over social media as Tabletop Bellhop, one word, and I'm not going to say no to a question asked anywhere. Now, normally I would spend this segment talking about the games I played this last week, and wow, it was a doozy with 12 different games played. But in the spirit of the season, instead, we're all talking about spooky games, great for the Halloween season. In that regard, I've been playing a lot of Gloomy Graves recently, but what I really want to talk about are my three favorite games to play on Halloween. Now, these could be great games to play with the occasional pause to give out treats for adults, especially parents whose kids are out hoarding candy, or for the entire family to play if it's still, sadly, not safe to go door to door where you are due to the pandemic. So first off, I've got a great activity for the whole family, and that's the Exit the Game, the Haunted Roller Coaster. This is one of the easiest of these escape room in a box games, which makes it great for playing with kids. Now, the thing I love about this is the spooky but not scary theme and the whimsical nature of the puzzles. It's all about getting stuck on a haunted theme park ride, and the puzzles all fit that theme very well, featuring many popular monsters, we'll call them. Now, in addition to being great for Orange and Black Day, this is also a fantastic entry to the world of exit games if you haven't played one before. Next, I've got Horrified Universal Monsters, which I won't be surprised if you hear multiple people talking about on today's episode. This is a cooperative game that's based on the classic black and white Universal movie monsters. Dracula, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, and more. While most adults are going to get into the theme, the mechanics are simple enough to make this game very family-friendly. And because it's cooperative, even really young kids can play along without with help without ruining the fun of the game. For the an added bonus for extra atmosphere, put on one of the classics the game is based on in the background while playing. Finally, I want to leave off with the most unique and well-done horror game that I've ever played. This is a game that really invokes that feeling of being lost and alone, and that's Nyctophobia, specifically the Vampire Encounter Edition. Because when playing with kids, because the other version is all about a mass murderer in the woods. And I don't think that's a very friendly, family friendly theme, whereas a vampire is nice and mythological and not real. So a little bit more accessible to kids. So you don't really want to creep them out. Now, in this game, everyone but the vampire player is blind and uses their senses of touch to move around a forest trying to find and rescue their friend before the vampire gets you all. Of all the horror games I played over many years of playing board games, no other game, no other horror game has filled me with as much dread, trepidation, and nervousness as Nyctophobia does. This actually invokes those visceral feelings, the actual physical reactions that make horror work. Now, the only downfall with this particular one is if you are breaking in the middle of the game to give out treats every time you hear a knock at the door, that's going to have to be the vampire doing all the work. or Otherwise, you're going to be wandering around your house blind and stumbling into things. So the vampire gets a little bit of an extra job, though. I got to say, everyone else sitting there waiting for the vampire to get back and just listening to what's happening would add an extra level to that game. So there you have my top three suggestions for games to play on the spookiest day of the year. Great for playing while the kids are out with kids stuck at home, or while giving out treats yourself. Find lots more gaming content at TabletopBellhop.com and on the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which releases weekly on your podcatcher of choice.
You can also join Sean, Deanna, and I for Sunday Brunch. This is an unscripted live show that goes live at 1 p.m. Eastern, which we're now broadcasting on YouTube instead of Twitch, just to check out a different platform and see how that works for us. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzno, the Tabletop Bellhop. Good night and game on. Hi everyone, I'm the Cardboard Kid. If you don't know me, I'm 11 years old and I've reviewed games on YouTube since April 2017. I have close to 300 reviews, plus dozens of interviews and features. My latest was The Key, Murder at the Oakdale Club, but I've been taking a break because of school and other things. Arkham Horror the Card Game is one of the most terrifying game experiences. Everything you do has this moment of tension. I sure hope I didn't draw my weakness. What's the mythos phase going to do to me? Oh, fantastic. Look what I drew from the chip pole. And we triggered the doom track. On top of that is the typical Lovecraft feeling. I thought I was capable, but I'm really weak and pathetic in the face of those monstrosities. You watch helplessly as your friends die and you are left alone and scarred and against impossible odds. So when you win, it is the best feeling in the world. Trust me. The starter box is perfect for two people, and I think Fantasy Fight Games learned their lessons and, like Marvel Champions, are putting out another edition with four starter decks inside so you don't need to buy two boxes. Anyhow, there are long storylines like the Dunwich Legacy or one-shot scenarios like The Curse of the Ruguru and Carnival of Horrors. We just replayed Carnival this past weekend, and it's not easy. Cultists and monsters are hiding in plain sight, just waiting for you to make a mistake. You can't just unmask everyone. And, yeah, it's great. The Walking Dead No Sanctuary has one of the strongest cooperative feelings in any of our games, which makes sense seeing as it was designed by Adam and Brady Sadler. Your deck is your health, but you're playing at least one card per turn and sometimes need to lose one. It's a depressing one, which makes it super fun. Each Legendary Encounters alien game tells the story of one of the first movies. You're going to be constantly swarmed by aliens, feeling the vents, have wounds, some incurable, and might even be surprised by Jonesy, the cute cat. Alien also has a nice cooperative element. Hmm, maybe having a friend or two along for the ride makes a scary situation easier. That, or it's nice to have a sacrifice nearby that you can throw toward the enemies so you have a chance to get to safety. We have quite a few tense and stressful horror games. Perdition's Mouth is another I enjoy quite a bit. For reviews of these games, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kid. You can also see photos and updates on what I'm playing over on Twitter at Cardboard underscore Kit. Please stay safe. Happy gaming! What up gamers? I'm Jason! I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what day is it today, Julie? It's What You've Been Playing Wednesdays! It's not just What You've Been Playing Wednesdays, it's the Halloween edition. So we need to be playing spooky games. Is that something that Cardboard Conjecture asked us to do? Yes. <laughs> 
I didn't even know that. And actually just lined up perfectly with what we wanted to do anyway this we week. We always review a Halloween movie. Always. At least as long as we... Movie? Is this movie. a movie review podcast? It is a movie review podcast. No, not even. In this case, we are reviewing... Uh, we're not reviewing. We're talking to you about horrified... American Monsters. So this is published by Ravensburger Games. It is based on the design by Prospero Hall. And this specific design was redone by Mike Mulvihill. Or so you think it's... No, no, it's there. It's just really hidden on the box for some reason. It is for one to five players and is supposed to play in about 60 minutes. So if you've played Horrified well, then you know what this game is all about. All you're doing is changing the setting, changing the monsters, and you will have to face off against the monsters in different fashions in the original game. But largely the investigators... uh, do the exact same things as well as the perks. You do have some art and things like that that are substantially different that I'll like Julia. Well, they're not substantially different. I mean, now you're in a small town instead of being in, you know, 50s well, Hollywood. And it's it's much brighter compared to the, you know, muted 50s style horrified board. Honestly, it really feels like, and I mean, they, they have on the back of the card, they have um, the Federal Bureau of Paranormal Investigation, a.k.a. we don't have the license to X-Files, but let's pretend that this is the X-Files. Because these are the monsters. I think every single one of these monsters, you have Bigfoot, Chupacabra, the Ozark Howler, uh, the Jersey Devil, which one am I forgetting? You are forgetting the Mothman. Yes, I'm pretty sure. And the Mothman. Banshee. The Banshee was in the X-Files. But in any case, I like this because these are, you know, as I've said, I'm a big X-File. These are the monsters of the X-Files, monsters of the week uh, type type deal. So this, I mean, for me, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed Horrified. I'm not a huge fan of, you know, Dracula and, you know, all those, the, the monsters that are in the original Horrified. So for me, this is a little bit more up my alley. No, I, I agree, Julie. I like this production, and I think the production actually feels nicer. You got similar style cardboard. The card quality is still kind of flimsy and crappy. We've sleeved the cards already. Um, but everything else has a really great feel to it. I like the board. I also feel like the art for the characters and everything, it pops a lot more, whereas you had the muted 50s tones, and even then, like I believe the backgrounds for the characters were just plain colors, whereas now they've got like a little bit more life and vibrancy to them. So I love everything that they've done improving the production, but just like the original Horrified, you're gonna be moving around the board, picking up items, and then trying to defeat the monsters based on the the objectives that you need to complete. Now, all the investigators seem to have the exact same powers as the investigators from the previous game. Uh, like the journalist has five actions. I can't remember what character had five actions. I don't remember there horrified. being a, a jock, though, that could pick up. Yeah, there was one. I remember that character. I played as that character for sure. Okay. Well, and I mean, and what's what's interesting about the monsters is you have, you know, the way you have to defeat them is, is pretty thematic uh, to uh, to the type of monster. I mean, Bookfoot, Big Bookfoot, yes. Big Bookfoot, Bugfoot. So bugfoot. our little guy's been pointing out all of the bugs. We have these nasty June beetles. Maybe they 
Not June beetles, but they're Asian lady beetles. Sorry. Maybe they are the heralds of the Mothman, and he likes to go bug, bug. Yeah. So Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. So Bigfoot, you have to, you know, uh, uncover the pieces of a a photo and then rearrange them, uh, you know, to to discover Bigfoot. Chupacabra, you have to feed him six goats. No, you have to save the goats so he can't eat them. Okay, well, and then he gets so angry that you can defeat him because he's starved. Yeah. So, and I mean, and then you have to figure out who the Jersey Devil is, you know, who their human face is. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. I don't know uh, what else to say except to say that this is a great game. Whether you're a gamer and you like to game and, you know, this is, this is a good game. You've played the original at... at uh, board game nights uh we've also played this with people who aren't gamers um i think you know the ages are 10 and above but i definitely think you can play it with a little bit younger uh with a little bit of guidance because it is a fairly simple uh you know uh, action steps of what you need to do and and it is cooperative this is the only game that i've never taught i literally said people ask me how to play i said here's your reference card Follow the phases. If you need any corrections, I will correct you and help you along the way. The only thing you really need to teach people is how to defeat the monsters. Meaning that if you only have two monsters for an easy setup, it's a great game. They just get up, get on the table, and teach people how to play. After that, you can really scale up the difficulty rather quickly if you want to. And that's a great thing about it. Two monsters, easy. Three monsters, standard. Four monsters, you might be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, so I mean, the, the playtime is going to depend on your experience and, and how long it takes you to make decisions, uh, you know, if, if you have some uh, analysis paralysis going on. Uh, the other thing I want to say from a family perspective is, yes, this is these are, you know, monsters, uh, but it's not scary and none, none of the visuals really are scary. It's all very cartoony. Uh, so I think it's definitely something that's adaptable that you can play with the under 10 year old crowd. Uh, yeah, there's some. There might be some animals that look a little creepier, like the, uh, the chupacabra. But as Julie points out, it's you know if you're used to playing board games in the house and seeing some of this type of imagery, no one's gonna have too much of an issue with it. So that being said, you can uh, check out our full review coming out tomorrow on our YouTube channel, and you can see pictures of us playing the games on all of our social media feeds. Uh, you'll definitely find it there. And on that note, we'd like to remind you too. Keep playing games. Hello, children. I am Royce Calderly. What the hell's going on? <laughs> hi, hi, Royce. You all right over there, buddy? And we are definitely... The board game podcast. Are the we? podcast definitely about board games, except when it's not. <laughs> Am I in the right place? <laughs> what is happening right now? You got something? You got to have a little drink of water, Royce? You good over there? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the scary Halloween episode of yeah. What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Yeah. All right. Uh... Aaron, what you been playing? I, I'm terrified right now. I've been playing Murder of Crows by Eduardo Baraf, which is one A away from Barf. Thomas That's Denmark. That's very scary. Yes. <laughs> Thomas Denmark, Atlas Games 2012. Have you played this game, Royce? Nope. It's no, a, I haven't. It's a wee tiny little thin card game. 
That's very simple. All I need to do is spell the word murder. So each card has a letter, an M, a U, an R, a D, or an E. And each letter has its own action. So the M is called misplace. Take any one card of your choice from another player's murder and put it in your hand. U is uncover. Everyone else reveal their hands to all players. You take one card of your choice from any other player's hand and put it in your own hand. And each letter has its own power. So as you lay down letters, you get to do what's on the card. And the first one that spells murder wins. This is one of those in-between filler games that we used to play quite a bit. Uh, it is really fun. It is also, uh, unfortunately, a little bit fast. Um, they also made a second game called Gloom, which I think did really well with like transparent cards and basically were telling a story. Honestly, didn't like it as much as Murder, but to this day, Murder holds up, even though it's eight, nine years old now. A lot of fun and definitely a good game to have at Halloween. That's what I've been playing on Wednesday. What horrible, scary thing have you been playing? You know what's scarier than a card game where you're trying to spell the word murder nothing everything literally. <laughs> but but my game especially is yeah. truly terrifying yeah like your intro yeah yeah, yeah. wait but wait anyway <laughs> in the good way terrifying. in the good way in the good way yeah. so this game is called hako ona all right i've heard of uh, this. hako ona it's by a designer named go edgen uh, it was produced. It was distributed here in North America by WizKids, and originally was published by Edgen Labo. So this isn't a new game. It was brought out in 2016, but this is the creepiest game that I own. This is the game I bring out when I want people to be just a little bit creeped out. Hmm. All right. So what it is, you are exploring the house. You know what? Let me just read the back of the box. Okay. I think that might be. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Holding on. The scary man arrived. <laughs> My father, in a panic, pushed me down into a way too small box. I heard my bones snap, but dared not scream. I heard angry voices, then nothing. Father never came back. <laughs> I was left alone. That was a long time ago. I'm not alone anymore. Sometimes people come play. I like to play hide and seek. When I tire of playing, I eat. Wow. Anyone else think this voice was scarier than the first voice you did today? <laughs> Creeped out right now. Yeah, the first one was more like an SCTV voice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that does yeah. sound terrifying. What's the gameplay so, like? So it's a one versus many. Uh, one is playing the Hakona, the ghost of the young child who was accidentally killed while trying to be hidden from these bad people that were after her father. And she's been left alone in this house all this time. And now you've come into this house. And there's variable end conditions, but what you have to do is explore the house and find whatever it is. Maybe you need to find her bones and her favorite toy and put them together so she can finally be at rest, whatever it might be. And in the meantime, she's hunting you down. Mm. She's taking you one by one. Oh dear. And then there's a dexterity element. 
and you're trying to be quiet. So you're stacking these little discs and the discs all have a little half marble on them. So they don't quite sit flat and you're making a stack higher and higher. And if you knock the stack over, the Hakona hears you and the Hakona will come to where you are. And that's when you start to disappear. Wow. It's just a great game. So much fun. So thematic. Maybe the scariest game I own. And one of the very few games I think actually can scare you playing it. Hmm. Am I am I close in saying that this reminds me a bit of The Grudge? It kind of has that feel? Yeah, very much in the same vein of horror. That idea of the long-haired ghost. Uh, the cover is quite creepy. Uh, Just a little girl sort of staring out with these eyes, reaching out a hand slowly. Yeah, Yeah, that's terrifying. You don't need to do that, Royce. (laughs) Scaring me over here. Well, so we're both playing these Halloween games because Halloween's on the way. We hope you guys have a great Halloween and, and dress up like some cool board game thing and eat your board game snacks and... Play board games that are scary. I don't know. What All else? those things. All those yep. things. Yeah. You can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all these places. And if you want to talk to us, let us know what you think of Royce's voice in this episode at deftlyboard at gmail.com, at boarddeftly on Twitter, at deftlyboard for our Facebook, and also at our guild, Deftly Board Game Podcast on Board Game Geek. I think that is everything. Royce, do you want to leave us with a with a creepy little voice thing again? One more, just to scare the hell out of everybody. Where have they gone? I want to play. Goodbye, everybody. Hey there, this is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And it is our Halloween-themed special. <laughs> that was That was bad. Um, so, being inspired by the, the very scary games, uh, I went out and picked up uh, Alien Fate of the Nostromo. Uh, put out this year, um, designed by Scott Rogers and published by Ravensburger. And uh, this mo- this game, obviously, if you know your th- if you know your movies, this game is based off of the 1979 uh, movie directed by Ridley Scott. And uh, under- I remember going to see this movie in the theaters and understand the context of when this movie came out because in '77. Star Wars came out and everybody was it was it was a feel good movie and it was good good against evil and 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 science fiction movies were starting to become popular and then this this interesting movie came out that was very kind of contrasty and stark and like Alfred Hitchcock kind of camera angles and and it's still science fiction and everyone's interested and and then you go and see it, and then you go, oh, heart failure, <laughs> because it is probably one of the uh, first jump scare movies that <laughs> sends me over the back of the couch every time I watch it. So uh, with with that uh, emotional memory and, uh, and uh, fight or flight response triggered in my system, I played Alien. 
And um, what this is, it's a, it's a, and of course, solo, right? Uh, one to five players. And uh, in essence, it is a action point game. Like, like a lot of the um, kind of pandemic-y kind of games, everyone has a character. And uh, typically the characters have, in this case, uh, four action points where they can move, pick up things, drop things, or do their special thing, right? Um, and uh, after every player's turn, it is the the alien's turn. And, oh, you know, uh, when I first put it down, I thought, well, yeah, there's no, you know, cool, it's IP. I wonder how they're going to connect with this. And, uh, wow, <laughs> there, there's some anxious kind of moments when... Uh, when the alien's moving, or the interesting dynamic with this, uh, as far as mechanism-wise goes, and I'm going to compare this to uh, it in, uh, another game that I played right after it because it was so similar. Um, but uh, in this case, you have these tokens that you, um, during the event when the 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 alien hap uh, you know happens upon, or certain things uh, um, arrive in the scenes. Uh, as you know, members have to go meet at a certain room, or somebody is inspired to do something. Um, but you put these tokens in uh, face down, and uh, these tokens are kind of uh, encounter tokens. But but they they simulate that that anxious moment of going into a room because what happens is is there's. Uh, uh, I think there's about 15, 12 to 15 tokens, and some of them, a majority of them have nothing on it. They just have a door, you know, uh, uh, a ship uh, door on the other side, very similar. But some of them have an alien that just goes, <laughs> right? And uh, it has, now you don't take damage, you take morale points. And some of them have three morale points, two morale points. And how one of the game end triggers is... Uh, is you start off with this, depending on how many players, you start off with a certain amount of morale points, and each time this alien comes out and and um, just like jump scares you to the point where your your actual the mechanism wise is you run away, <laughs> you bolt right, um, and and you take that morale effect on the track, and if it ever goes to if it ever bottoms out, game over, right? <laughs> You're scared to death. <laughs> Um, so yeah, these tokens, when they come in the rooms, there's certain times and you can, and the cool thing about, um, how they implemented items is that, uh, it was very thematically connected where the motion detector is at a certain range, you can check the room and you can flip over these tiles without engaging an encounter because, when you come into the room without being able to check the motion detector, first thing you do is flip it over to see if there's an encounter and you don't have the opportunity to pick anything up or drop anything off because as this frenzy and 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 you know, heart attack on a spaceship is going on, uh, you have to accomplish a certain amount of submissions to get yourself ready to do the final mission and there's a variety the between four or five of them uh how the game possibly can end and what you need the recipe for you to complete this ending of the game uh so there's as as any cooperative there are probably uh you know m more on your you know more chances to fail this game and lose this game than there are the ability to win this game and uh yeah yeah it's doing its job uh, as far as 
connecting me thematically to <laughs> to that movie experience and also um, giving me a really interesting puzzle to solve. And um, what I said before, uh, uh, that the, this whole kind of connected DNA is immediately reminded me of Horrified, which is designed by Prospero Hall and published by Ravensburger. Well done. Um, this one is very similar to that whole action points. You have a character, but in this case, instead of an alien uh, running around a ship <laughs> trying to um, scare the life out of you, you have the Universal Pictures classic monsters like Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, um, the creature from the the, uh, the <laughs> like Werewolf Lagoon, yeah, uh, Invisible Man. So you have all those uh, uh, classic Universal monsters, black and white film monsters, and your objective is to get them out of town before they uh, overrun town. And, and again, all those very similar conditions where um, there are more ways to lose the game than there are to win a game. Now, what's really cool with this game is that, uh, I mean, you can vary the difficulty level on how many monsters uh, invade the town. But uh, what I like about this one is that in Alien, there's pretty much you're fighting the alien and there's a few kind of strategies that you can go about and giving yourself this buffer so that you can get off the ship. In this case, each... Uh, Monster has a specific way or puzzle in which that you um, have to accomplish in order to eliminate, not necessarily eliminate, but um, set yourself up for that last final uh, test or puzzle or accomplishment. And a lot of these are connected with items that you pick up uh, in each of the areas in the, in the village. And the items uh, vary in color and vary in... Uh, in, in um, the items that are on displayed on this too. And uh, so I think they do a very good um, kind of strategy or, or mechanical strategy in which the monsters have a, a variety of ways in which for you to solve this puzzle. Um, so uh, they have a, a second one coming out. I forget what the title is, but... It is instead of the Universal Monsters, it's based on the uh, myths and legends monster, like such as Sasquatch and uh, the Jersey Devil, and uh, um, so I can't wait for that one to come out because uh, both these games have such a not unique because it's very. I think the first time I saw it was Pandemic, but both these games have a very understandable, intuitive action point way to go about playing this game um, and it's it's that it's it's good design when you see um, designers using a, um, a, a, a a player's all understanding already of a game to bring them to another game now uh, putting going back to um, going back to aliens uh, or alien uh, fate of the Nostromo that got me thinking immediately to a game that I have that reminds me so much of Aliens, the second movie. Now, Aliens, the second movie, uh, for me, wasn't so much a jump scare, <laughs> uh, Alfred Hitchcock type of, of uh, you know, <laughs> sleep with the lights on for a week kind of thing. Uh, the Aliens, to me, was more of an action movie. Still... 
you know, jump scare moments, but more of an action movie. And what define what game defines this the most for me is Space Hulk Death Angel, the card game, uh, designed by Corey Kaneska and uh, published by Fantasy Flight Games. Now this one's out of print, right? So I won't go too much into the fact that it's hard to come by if you can find it at all. But this game does such a, with a card system, this game does such a, uh, an excellent interpretation of the tension that the movie delivers. And now in this game, you're going, imagine yourself going down a hallway and the, now again, it's, it's actually based in the, the Warhammer 40k universe, but I can't help thinking Aliens, the second movie in this case, because you're going down a hallway and all of your characters are stacked top to bottom in this hallway. And the aliens consider the, the um, levels as you're, as you're stacked in a hallway from top to bottom, consider those kind of uh, sections of that hallway. And from left and right, you could potentially be attacked by aliens who spawn out of nowhere through hatches, doorways, hallways, uh, vents, and uh, how you progress. There's a progression through this game as well where you go from room to room and uh, there's certain, uh, each of the characters have certain uh, benefits and, uh, and uh, synergistic ways to work together. And this one, oh man, it, it does such a great job of, of the chaos that goes on and <laughs> you got to roll a dice and <laughs> I got to tell you just rolling dice scares me. So there's a horror theme right there. I'm telling you. So, um, yeah, those are my, I, I, my apologies for going too long here, but, uh, those are my kind of big three, uh, themed scary, very scary, uh, games that, uh, that I got to play this week. And, uh, that being said, as always, thank you so much for listening to our episode this week. And thank you so much for uh, the content creators who put together such incredible stuff. I can't tell you how much I was laughing at a lot of these segments because it just was, it was so funny. So, uh, as always, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? <laughs>